strabismus and amblyopia. Hi, my name is Dr. Bill Takesta, and I'm the Consulting Director of Low Vision Education at the Braille Institute of America. Each month, the Braille Institute sponsors a telephone lecture, and tonight we're going to be talking about one of the more common causes of vision problems among children, and this includes strabismus and amblyopia. Strabismus and amblyopia are two conditions that are quite common among children. It affects as many as 4% of the population, and we find that children may have strabismus or amblyopia, and their parents or teachers or family members may not even know it. In other words, it's one of these types of conditions that are not very easily detected. You might look at this baby and you might notice that the baby's got beautiful brown eyes. Or you might look at this baby and this baby might appear to be very alert, making eye contact. But he or she may still have strabismus or amblyopia. In the past, many people would commonly call strabismus and amblyopia lazy eye. This particular layperson term could be misleading because it often suggests that the child has a weak eye muscle. In most cases, a child with strabismus or amblyopia does not have a weak eye muscle, or there is not a paralyzed eye muscle. So today we're going to talk about what are strabismus and amblyopia. Strabismus is a term that is used to describe a child who has eyes that are not properly aligned. A child might have an eye that crosses inward towards the nose, or a child might have an eye that turns outward towards the ear. In other cases, one eye might point higher or lower than the other. And we could also see situations in which strabismus will occur and it affects both eyes. Both eyes might turn inward. Both eyes might point outward. Or one eye might point up and the other points down. All of these combinations are possible. And again, strabismus only means that the two eyes are not in proper alignment. Well, you might ask, what age is it normal for a child to have straight eyes? Is it going to be dependent on the age of the child? And the answer to that is yes. We do anticipate that children will have the ability to keep their eyes fairly straight by six months, and by 12 months that it should be quite strong. In other words, that the eye alignment must be quite stable by 12 months. So this is why many times eye surgeons, such as ophthalmologists, will often hold off on performing surgery for children who have strabismus until after the age of 12 months. Vision is a learned and developed skill, and as a child grows older, they then learn to coordinate the muscles that rise together, and many times the child with strabismus will outgrow strabismus. Now there's different forms of strabismus, and the most common type of strabismus that we see among young children is called convergent strabismus, also called esotropia, E-S-O-T-R-O-P-I-A. Esotropia basically means that either one or both eyes cross. Now there's two subtypes of esotropia. One of them is called accommodative esotropia. Accommodative esotropia is basically when a child has a higher than normal degree of farsightedness. Most children when they're born are farsighted, which basically means that their eye muscles must pull or focus in order to see objects that are closer. Now, when a child has a greater than normal degree of farsightedness, they are often forced to pull the eye muscle harder, 
and they pull the muscle so hard that the eyes subsequently cross. When the eyes cross like this, it can cause a child to see double vision, and this might affect the child's eye-hand coordination for reaching. It might affect the child's ability to perceive depth. This child might prefer to continue to crawl rather than to stand and to walk because of reduced depth perception. Some children will close or cover one eye to eliminate double vision, but we see that the brain often compensates on its own. If a child has a crossed eye and is suffering from double vision, the brain will often suppress or turn off the vision of one eye. When the brain ignores the vision of one eye, this affects the development of vision. In other words, if the brain turns off the vision to that eye, those brain cells do not develop and the child will have reduced vision in that eye. This is something that is called amblyopia and we'll talk about that later in depth in just a moment. When a child has the accommodative esotropia, the type of esotropia that is due to the farsightedness, the easiest way to treat this is by first prescribing glasses. You want to refer these children to an eye doctor to prescribe glasses. Bifocal glasses are usually the most effective type of glasses prescription that will straighten the eye. So in many cases, if a child has a high degree of farsightedness, the doctor could simply prescribe glasses to correct for the farsightedness, and then the child doesn't have to pull so hard to try to see things clearly. When the child doesn't pull so hard, the muscles relax and the eyes are straightened. In other cases, a child might have accommodative esotropia, and the glasses might help partially, but they may not completely have straight eyes. For these children, there's a combination of exercises, which is called vision therapy, and other times these children will benefit from eye muscle surgery. The second type of esotropia is called congenital esotropia. These are children who are born with a crossed eye or crossed eyes, plural. These children do not have a higher than normal degree of farsightedness, so glasses in itself do not improve the alignment of the eye. For these children with congenital esotropia, they often require surgery. The surgery is something to position the eyes in a better alignment state. But after surgery, these children often require eye muscle therapy. This type of vision therapy is important not to try to strengthen the muscle, but basically to teach the brain how to coordinate the two eyes together as a team. Remember, for these children, all of their lives they have only used one eye at a time, so they have never been taught how to use both at the same time. You could sort of think of remembering a child who's learning to crawl. At first they only use the left leg and the left arm, and then they use the right arm and the right leg, and then they use the left arm and left leg, and then the right arm and right leg. Well, this is similar to what happens with children who've had surgery. If they've had strabismus where the eyes are crossing, they only know how to use one eye. They don't know how to use both together. So vision therapy is something that could be very helpful after the child has had surgery. We have found that more and more ophthalmologists are referring patients for vision therapy after surgery, and this seems to be one factor that might reduce the chances of having to have additional surgeries in the future. Now, the other type of strabismus is called exotropia. This is when the eyes drift outward. Now, there is no real correlation with a prescription that would cause the eyes to drift outward. In other words, 
farsightedness or nearsightedness, it does not cause the eyes to drift outward. Now, when a child has exotropia, they also will see double vision. They may often turn their head to eliminate the double vision. They might be hesitant to reach or to crawl or to walk. But it's also very important to note that when a child has exotropia, where the eyes drift outward, when they go outdoors, they're often very sensitive to light. You might often find that they will close or wink one eye. These children might look perfectly normal indoors, or you might see that their eyes intermittently just occasionally turn outward, but when they go outside, you'll notice that their eye is misaligned. You could ask these kids a lot of times, do you see double vision? And they don't even know what you're talking about. They don't see double vision when they're outside in the sunlight. For these kids, vision therapy and or surgery are very effective. These are conditions in which you can perform exercises such as bringing toys or food items closer to the child's nose and it will teach them to cross or to converge your eyes. In other cases, if it's too severe that the child is giving everything he or she has to straighten the eyes, eye muscle surgery can be very helpful. Now, when we talk about children who have these particular types of eye misalignments, what can we do if the child is very, very young? In other words, can you actually perform vision therapy on a child who's very, very young? And the answer to that is sort of. There are exercises that parents and teachers and early interventionists can do to help these children to learn to use their two eyes together. But in classic vision therapy, we will place a child who is four to five and older in instruments. They will look inside instruments and then they can coordinate their two eyes together as a team. But when a child is younger than that, it's often very difficult. There's cases in which some children, the parents do not want them to have surgery because of the fear of anesthesia, or they simply want to wait and let development take its place, or it might be a child who has had other medical problems so that surgery is something that would be too complicated. So one of the things that we often can do for the very young children who cannot have surgery is that we can actually use prism glasses. Now the purpose of prism glasses is to bend the light so that the light focuses on the center of the retina, a region called the macula of both eyes. By doing this, the child will not have double vision and the brain will not turn off or suppress the vision of one eye. When we do this, we're actually then stimulating the part of the brain that helps to use the two eyes together. This is called binocular vision. Now it's important to remember that for these very young infants, when we put these prism glasses on their eyes, their eyes will still appear to be misaligned. It's just that the prism is bending or deflecting the image on the correct portion of the eye so that the child doesn't see double and so that the child will then use both sides of the brain together simultaneously. When we use the prism glasses, the brain is going to be using both eyes together and this is going to develop the best level of depth perception. Now the reason that we do this is so that that region of the brain will develop during the first three years of life and later as a child gets older the child can then actually have surgery or the child could have vision therapy. So again, when a child is not in a situation that he or she can have surgery or if the child is too young to perform vision therapy, 
prism glasses are used to help the brain to develop and as the child gets older they could then have vision therapy and or surgery now amblyopia is another separate condition amblyopia describes the child who with glasses has reduced vision these are children who do not have cataracts they do not have any eye disease but when you put glasses on them and you measure their vision their vision is not 2020 why is it that they don't have 2020 vision well the reason for it is that the brain cells did not receive proper stimulation to give you a little bit of history and perspective on amblyopia we have to go back to the studies by doctors Hubel and Weasel in the 1970s they performed many cat experiments and what they did is that they raised kittens in different environments they took an entire litter of kittens and they raised them in three different environments their hypothesis was that the environment that these kittens were raised in had an impact on the level of their vision one group of kittens were raised in a normal environment the second group of kittens had their eyelids sutured shut so that they could not see anything and the third group of kittens were raised in a room that only had vertical stripes weeks later they measured the vision of these kittens and they found that the kittens that were reared in a normal environment that they had normal vision and they also found that there was a region of the brain in the very back of the head called the occipital lobe that the brain cells were very developed they then looked at the kittens who had their eyes sutured shut and they found that these kittens were blind they actually could not see anything and the brain cells in the back of the brain were very very small when they looked at the kittens that were raised in an environment that just had vertical lines these kittens only could see vertical lines and there were even cells in the occipital lobe that were more mature in a dominance column such as that so from this study the main point here is is that the environment plays a direct role on the development of vision number two vision is something that occurs in the brain and number three that the amount of stimulation that is sent to the eyes directly affects the development of vision so when they looked at these kittens they then decided what would happen if we took the blind kittens and we then stimulated their vision so they took the blind kittens and they placed them in an environment that had high contrast patterns and colors and other stimuli and they found that their vision developed they went from being blind to having vision so from this they learned that vision is something that is developed and this is something that may hold true with humans who might have reduced vision so the first common cause of amblyopia is what is called refractive amblyopia Refractive amblyopia is when a child has a high degree of farsightedness or nearsightedness or astigmatism in one or both eyes. In other words, if a newborn baby is such that he or she cannot focus on things clearly, this child needs glasses. Now, if this child does not receive glasses during the next two, three, four years of life, the image that is sent from the eye to the brain is very very blurred and as a result the brain cells do not get stimulated and the brain cannot perceive details so many children who need glasses as a very young infant who are not prescribed glasses will often be legally blind simply because of the fact that they did not get glasses early enough 
This is why the American Medical Association and the American Optometric Association recommends children have an eye examination as young as three months of age. Number two, when a child has this level of refractive amblyopia, they can even be legally blind. These kids often go on through their early years of infancy, and when mom and dad looks at their eyes, their eyes look perfectly fine. They don't look as though they have a infection. They don't look as though they have an eye disease. A parent, a friend, a teacher, nobody could tell really by looking at the child's eyes that this child needs glasses. So these children don't know that they're not seeing perfectly well. So eventually they often will get their eyes checked when they're five or old enough to talk. And at that time, the nurse identifies that they're not reading the letters on the eye chart. This child will then go to the eye doctors. The doctor says, my goodness, your child needs glasses. Well, they make glasses for this child. They put the glasses on and measure the child's vision. And still, the vision is very blurred. The reason for that is, again, that the brain has not been stimulated. So for these children who have refractive amblyopia, we do need to perform vision therapy that often includes patching. Let's say, for example, we have a child who has a right eye that is very, very farsighted, and the left eye is perfect. Well, in this case, all through the early years of life, this child will only use the left eye because the left eye sees clearly. When the child looks at things with the right eye, it's blurry, so the child's brain then ignores the vision of the right eye. Now, when this child finally gets glasses at the age of five years of old, you want to put the glasses on, and then we will recommend patching of the left eye. By patching the left eye, this will force the child to use the right eye, and this will then develop the brain cells. Now, there's different ways that people will use patching. Some people recommend a bandage patch, and we like to use glasses where we put scotch tape over the lens. The reason for this is that this is a bit easier for the children, it's easier for the parents, and it also allows both eyes to receive light at the same time. This is very important because we want the child to be able to use both eyes simultaneously. So patching is an activity that's going to be done in which the stronger eye is patched to force the weaker eye to look and the weaker eye will then send signals to the part of the brain that has not been developed or stimulated maximally. The patching can vary. The doctors will tell you exactly what types of activities perform, what distance the child should be from those things that he or she is looking at, and most importantly, during patching, it's very important that the child is looking at things that are a little bit smaller than what he or she could actually see. This is going to force the brain to try to focus on things more clearly, and this is how the visual acuity can improve. The thing that one should not do is that one should not allow a child to sit in front of an 80-inch television from two feet away when they're patched. By doing that, the child is able to see things too easily, and this is not going to improve the vision. So you do want a doctor to recommend specific activities, and these specific activities are called vision therapy. So with refractive amblyopia, the first thing is that when we do identify a child who should have been prescribed glasses at a very young age, but for whatever reason did not get glasses, we then need to first, number one, refer that child to be fit with the proper prescription for glasses. Number two, 
we will recommend patching or taping to one lens. And number three, we'll recommend activities to help that child to develop the vision faster. We often see in a matter of three to six months, a child can go from 2200 to 2050. So if you do the vision therapy and you identify the child with refractive amblyopia at an early age, the responses are much better. We find that if you identify the child after the age of seven years of age, it takes much longer. It could take years to improve the vision, but it is still possible to improve the vision. A second type of amblyopia is called strabismus amblyopia, and this is when the visual acuity of one eye is reduced because of the misalignment of one eye. Let's take, for example, the case of a child who has a right eye that is going cross-eyed. It's turned inward towards the nose. Well, if we think about that this child, when he or she is born and has a right eye towards the nose, the child might actually see double vision. The brain doesn't like double vision, so the brain will then shut off the vision of the right eye because the right eye is crossed. As a result, the brain cells for the right eye are not developing normally, so when we then later measure the clarity of sight of the right eye, it's very reduced. So these children will have what's called strabismus amblyopia, where the clarity of sight is reduced because the eye is misaligned, it's crossed, or it's turned outward. Well, in these cases, we then again are going to prescribe glasses, if glasses can be helpful. After that, we're going to recommend patching of the stronger eye to force the weaker eye to focus. So in this example, we will patch the left lens and force the child to look with the right. When the child is doing these kinds of activities, it could be done for a very, very young infant. For example, we might go ahead and stripe a bottle and bring the bottle from the right side so the child will move the eyes and try to track it. We could use mobiles and position it towards the right side so the child will move the right eye towards the right ear. We might use other toys and games so the child will learn to follow it with his or her eyes. So by doing this, this is going to improve the clarity of sight, but also teach a child how to move that right eye towards the ear so that the right eye can then work together with the left eye. This is something that could be very, very helpful for the child, and in some cases, these children will then be able to straighten their eyes and work together as a team. In other cases, these children may still need to have vision therapy to help to straighten their eye, or they might need eye muscle surgery. But again, we want to do the patching to improve the clarity of sight. That's very important to remember that in refractive amblyopia and strabismus amblyopia, we are always patching to improve the clarity of sight. The third type of amblyopia is due to the lack of stimulation. This could be related to a child who has an eyelid disorder called ptosis, P-T-O-S-I-S. When a child has ptosis, this is when the eyelids droop and the eyelids do not open. If the eyelids do not open, these are children that are similar to the cats that we talked about. The brain does not get stimulated, and we need to then go ahead and to stimulate the brain. We could do this by opening the eyelid with tape, and we'll go ahead and begin to do the stimulation. Later, we'll refer these children to an oculoplastic ophthalmologist who can then perform eyelid surgery to open the eyelid. But for these kids, it's very important they get that type of stimulation. There's other children 
who might have lack of stimulation due to the environment that they live in. In the 1990s, we used to see a lot of children who came from Romania, and they had amblyopia of both eyes. These orphans were raised in a room that had no stimulation. It was simply a white room with a giant bed, and these kids just did not get stimulation. Their visual acuity was very poor, 2100, 2200, and when we then provided the vision stimulation, their vision did improve. So overall, strabismus and amblyopia are two very common types of conditions that we do see among children. The important thing about it is that with both strabismus and amblyopia, they are treatable. But the prognosis of treating it is much, much better when we identify the problem at an early age. You have to remember that with strabismus and amblyopia, a parent or a doctor or others may not see it. It might be so mild that one doesn't see it, and this can cause serious vision problems in the future. So this is why it's important that children, especially those children who have a history of family members with lazy eye or strabismus or amblyopia, children should have their eyes checked at three months. So I hope this information is helpful, and please, at this time, we can open it up to any questions. Yes, now the first question is, what if a child has neurological vision impairment and strabismus? Does this affect how we're going to treat the case? And the answer to this is yes. Many children with neurological vision impairment have blind spots in their central vision, and this often makes it difficult for them to use two eyes together. So depending on what is that level of central vision, we might recommend different types of treatments. The doctors might recommend eye muscle surgery at that time, and with the eye muscle surgery, the eyes could be aligned and it could help the child to use the peripheral vision more effectively. Other times, it's going to be using other vision stimulation activities to help the child to move the right eye towards the right ear, the left eye towards the left ear. And by doing this, we often see that the child can then learn to coordinate the two eyes together as a team. Yes, the question is, what kinds of activities are recommended when you're doing patching to improve the visual acuity for amblyopia? Well, the first thing, uh, there's really a good regimented program to work on the visual acuity of children with amblyopia. First of all is that we must acclimate them to wearing glasses. We could do this by slowly massaging the child around the face, the nose, the bridge, and the ears during activities that he or she enjoys. So if there's a favorite music video or something that he or she likes, hold your child and massage him or her around that area to prepare for the glasses. Next, every time you turn on that video, we'll put on those glasses so the child then associates something good's going to happen with these glasses. Now once we have the child comfortable with wearing the glasses, we can then begin to implement the tape. As we said before, depending on the child's vision, the doctor will tell you specifically how far away your child be from the specific object. So we might say, let's have your child sit eight feet away from a television that's 27 inches and watch the video. Or let's have your child sit 16 inches from a mini DVD player and watch the video. Other types of things that we like to do are things that are going to be active. Active meaning that the child is using the eyes and the hands together. 
we might blow bubbles in the air and let your child pop them as these bubbles are blowing farther from your child. We might get golf tees that are painted and use these color painted golf tees and get a pegboard at Home Depot and just let the child put these pegs, colorful pegs, into the holes from left to right. If the child's able to do that, we might later move on to using Light Bright and putting the pegs into a Light Bright board that's going to glow up. If your child's a little bit older and has fine motor skills, we could use Dot to Dot. I like to use the I Spy and the Where's Waldo's book so that your child could search for things. Look at different photographs and pictures and hold the book at 16 to 18 inches away and let your child point to those people in the pictures. These kinds of activities will be fun and will also develop vision. There's many good computer games. If you have a computer game that the child could click onto the screen and this is going to be a way that the child can learn and also develop vision at the same time. The question is, is there something that can be done if a child doesn't tolerate the glasses? Yes, there's many times that a child might have strabismus or we're trying to treat the child for amblyopia, but the child just absolutely will not wear the glasses. You might try using the bandage patch, and the child absolutely doesn't do that. In these cases, we use an eye drop. This is an eye drop called atropine, A-T-R-O-P-I-N-E. And what this eye drop does is that it blurs the vision. So what we'll do is that we will put this eye drop, one eye drop, in the stronger eye to blur the vision of that eye. Now it will blur the vision for two to three days. So during that time the child will then be using the weaker eye. This is something we often like to recommend for children who are going to be very young. Children who are be younger than three years of age and are not in school. We don't like to really use this for school age kids because it blurs their vision and we don't want it to interfere with their academic development. So there are many cases that we can use something like atropine if the patching or the glasses do not work. Okay, so thank you very much for your attention and please tune in next time for Braille Institute's next telephone conference. The next telephone conference will be on the second Tuesday in January 2011 and we'll be talking about the introduction to neurological vision impairment. To listen to this podcast and to other podcasts, you can go to www.airsla, that's A-I-R-S-L-A.org. Again, that's www.airsla.org. And you could click the vision link, and that will have all these podcasts on vision. And then click Braille Institute, and you'll find many of the other podcasts that we have recorded uh, there. Or you could also go to the Braille Institute webpage at www.brailleinstitute.org. That's www.brailleinstitute.org. Or you could also go to my webpage, and that's at www.drbillfoundation.org. Okay, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next month.